0: Kyrie Irving is the vice president of the Players Association. He's one of the elected officials. Uh, there, there's six vice presidents, and just a week ago he was on the call. You know that essentially rubber-stamped uh, approval of the league's of the league and union's decision to move forward, uh, finalize details on the Orlando bubble. Uh, but listen, there's still a lot of players. You know beyond the, the Black Lives, Lives Matter, Matter movement, movement that, that issues that include. You have to be willing to rewash a movie. Oh, hell yeah! Hell yeah! Clef, they Smobbery banana. He's, He's gonna like, aggregate this. Lillard, long range three.
1: A, their defense is atrocious. Oh, I'm of the rock star. TTO is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love you Napoleon know, oh, oh, man. I'm sorry. sorry. It's just <laughs> hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? All right, welcome back. Uh, this is Squish FM. Thanks for tuning in. Chris Mendelkin, Ben Krah, Ben. uh... Our podcast continues to dominate the uh, the weekly ratings, the weekly rankings in sports and basketball genres, and in Apple and Spotify. I know, uh, I know that Scott, you fired up, feeling good. How's everything up yeah. there?
0: incredible, incredible. It's been another uh, amazing week for the for the show, Chris. Yep. Um, uh, uh, yeah, let me let me just real quick here read off. Uh, this is the top ten uh, Apple podcasts in the sports category. According to chartable.com, um, at number 10, we've got uh, Skip and Shannon undisputed. Of course, we all know those guys, yeah, love them. Yep, uh, the the meat eater podcast, not familiar with that one. All the smoke, the Dan Lebitard Mm -hmm. show coming in at number six, uh, a Clay Travis podcast at number five, uh, the fighter and the kid. Bill Simmons coming in at number three. Barstool Sports, one of my personal favorites. They have Pardon My Take coming in at number two. And number one, Chris, Swish FM. Incredible. Um, yeah, really, really proud of, uh, of all we've done. Humbled uh, as well as proud um, uh, by all our success. So thank you to all our listeners. Um, thanks for all the downloads, all the, all the ratings and reviews. Yep. Um, I would say keep them coming, but honestly, we're already number one, so... <laughs> Uh, hey, you know let's not do, get
1: let's not get complacent. If you're a new listener, if you're a long-time sure, sure. listener, whatever the case may be, do us a favor, go into Apple, go into Stitcher, Spotify, Ben we uh, we have a new partner, iHeartRadio. We're now on iHeartRadio. Wherever wherever you find our podcast, leave us a five-star review. Uh, you know, maybe you love the new logo, maybe you heard the good news that we've passed uh, you know, past Barstool, that we've passed Bill Simmons. Um, you know, just, just leave us a simple, you know, drop us a couple words, just congratulating us, uh, let us know that you found the show that you, that you enjoy listening. It goes a long way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you like being number one, if you like feeling superior, um, then, uh, then, then yeah, let us know. Uh, I, I personally think it's a great feeling. So, yep. Uh, All right, Ben, yep.
1: uh, we, uh, we decided we needed to talk again today after our last podcast, uh, where we discussed the, happenings of the world with uh everything related to the death of george floyd and the uh you know the the race protests happening in the street we uh we decided we weren't quite ready to jump back into the 1994 nba uh finals just quite yet and uh because there is actually some real current news happening with regard to the nba and that's the uh, the league is is going to be coming back. I think it's the end of July. Is it July thirty first? Beginning of August? Late July? The NBA is going to be coming back. We are uh, we're going to be having a bubble, Ben, in Orlando, Florida. And um, I wanted to uh, pick your brain on it, Ben. I know you're fired up about this bubble.
0: Yeah, the bubble. Uh, I love the bubble. Love the whole idea of the bubble. Love the name, the bubble. Sure. Um, just such a uh, a great choice of words uh uh, you know symbolic uh uh uh, phrase or term uh rather there by um by the nba um and the fact that it's in disney world i mean you really couldn't have picked uh, a more fitting more apropos uh you know sort of uh way to describe um how the nba will be returning um in uh the summer of of the year 2020 um yeah it's um it's a pretty weird time there's been a lot of news uh i gotta be honest chris i have not really kept up well of course i did read the uh 113 page memo within a matter of minutes um much like adrian adrian wojnarowski um so, yeah, I'm excited to discuss uh all the intricate details of that, my favorite parts, my least favorite parts. <laughs> right. Um there's a lot to to celebrate and get excited about there yeah. in the 113 page health and safety protocol uh for the bubble. Um uh but yeah, I well, mean I, I
1: I wanted to talk to you because like you know, initially we we were we were uh talking about doing this podcast and I wanted to discuss with you like whether or not, in our opinion, players should participate and whether or not, no, well, maybe not whether or not players should or shouldn't participate, but whether the league should resume. And I think that question at this point is sort of decided in, it's basically out of, I mean, it's obviously out of our hands, has nothing, nothing to do with us, but the league is going to resume. Um, so now the choice kind of falls onto players about whether or not they will participate And I wanted to talk to you about our thoughts on whether or not they should return, whether it makes sense, whether it doesn't make sense. And uh, I mean, I I sort of imagine I know where we stand, but maybe we should flesh out those ideas. So I'm curious what your thinking is about players and whether or not they should participate.
0: Um, It's a really good question. And it's something that I like, kind of all irony and sarcasm aside, um, I have been, um, you know, kind of struggling with this, um, I, you know, I, like, I felt really firm in where I stood, like, a few days ago, um, and then I've been trying to do, like, a little bit more, like, just kind of listening and, and reading stuff, um, Mark Spears had a really good piece. I don't know if you read in the uh in the undefeated um mm-hmm. if nBA players sit out the season, will they miss their best opportunity to be heard? so basically like I guess this is a way to start let's lay out the sort of two sides mm-hmm. um as as far as I see them you know there and i and I sort of feel like I almost want to focus our discussion on um let's like narrow our focus a little bit on basically the, you know, social justice slash police brutality slash racism slash, um, you know, whatever else you – however else you want uh, <clears throat> to define this current kind of civil rights moment that we're in, I kind of want to, like, focus and zero in on just that aspect because the health stuff is, like, sort of a separate conversation, um, and it's all getting conflated and, uh, and confused, and I think it's, like, actually – sort of bad that that's happening um because i think a lot of like the conversation and the sort of debates are getting lost and obfuscated and like just kind of muddled um by saying like oh well sure players have like lots of reasons they could choose to uh play or not play um and like they're all sort of interesting in their own ways, but I feel like today I, I, I want to talk more about just the one, <clears throat> excuse me, um, kind of like, you know, singled out uh, a- aspect of like, you know, whether or not uh, the the movement, the moment uh, that the Black Lives Matter um, situation will be, you know, helped or hurt by players uh, NBA players playing basketball in Orlando. Um, and it's definitely like not an easy question to answer. So I don't want to come off, especially since I am not an NBA player um, <laughs> and I'm not a- anywhere near uh, like the fucking galaxy of like what, you know, the shoes basically that, that, that those people are in. Um, so automatically i'm going to sound like an asshole like giving any sort of opinion on this um but you know that's what we do uh here on swish fm so basically the two arguments are you know boycott for lack of a better word playing in the bubble um because of what's going on <clears throat> i mean you could say a boycott uh in like a very sort of deliberate like protest type of manner or just decide to sit out because you want to focus more, you know, it's, it's less of a, you know, a targeted at the NBA boycott and more of a, just a, you know, I want to focus on something else. I want to stay home. I want to stay with my family. I want to stay in my community. Um, you know, so there's sort of like nuances to not playing, um, you know, just on its own. Uh, and then the other argument is like playing, uh, and like sort of the level to which you can use, uh, playing in an NBA basketball game to uh, you know to to kind of like leverage that into uh, having a platform to speak out and 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 you know make some kind of gesture or make actual concrete demands um, so there's like definitely like lots of options. It's not like a play or not play um, you know there there's like sort of different nuances to you know how you play or how you don't play, so um, yeah, I haven't actually answered uh, how I feel yet, but I'm—I feel like I've been rambling for a long time, so I should pass pass to you.
1: No, I think um, I think that's spot on, man. I mean, just like I—I I admittedly have been struggling myself, so I'm kind of relieved to hear that you've been finding this to be a difficult thing to have an opinion about um because frankly like you said like we're not players we're not african americans and ultimately like thank god this choice is not ours and our opinion really is just that it's just two idiots who have a podcast who are just sort of like weighing the pros and cons i guess of both sides um but i think you know uh, I, I think right now where I'm falling on the two sides of it is this like it's really difficult um for me to it's it, it it it's it's really difficult for me to figure out um like the right thing to do and I think people need distractions in lieu of all the sadness that's going on in the world in terms of coronavirus. And I think that other people like really want to get back to, you know, like life and whatever, whatever. And that ultimately is very problematic for me. Like, that to me is sort of what we were touching on in our last podcast, like this desire to resume real life. And ultimately, like, that is actually pretty dangerous to me. And in my opinion, in my humble opinion, um, it's kind of preposterous that we're actually debating about the return of professional sports in the United States. Um, like you said, let's not even touch on the pandemic, the loss of 110,000 lives, 40 million people unemployed. There are historic protests in the streets, um, you know, like uh, f- for African Americans who have been. Continue to be like brutalized and killed at the hands of law enforcement, literally been like since we last spoke, you called it on the air in our last, po- our last podcast, like since we last spoke, another black man, a 27-year-old man, Rayshard Brooks, was shot and killed by a police officer. This time it was in Atlanta. Um, you know, he was killed at the culmination of like a prolonged interaction with the cops. He was at a Wendy's drive-through. He was celebrating the eighth birthday of his daughter uh, and there was an altercation with the police. They asked him to get out of the car. We we don't even need to get into the specifics, but he was running away from the police. They shot him in the back, and now he's dead. So, like, he, and here we are again. So, to me, it's kind of unconscionable that, like, we're, we're really talking about, like, resuming sports uh, in the United States when, like, this stuff is continuing to happen, and... Like, we just have to, I think, get to a point where we say, like, no, there's no more having fun until we, like, actually have meaningful change. And that sucks. Like, it sucks to be the person (laughs) to be, like, it sucks to be the Debbie Downer. But, like, I think we actually need to have that grown-up conversation in our lives that it's, like, yeah, no more distractions, no more entertainment, no more good times until, like... The gross uh, disparity of like injustice like s- stops. So I don't know. that's that that's my opening thought.
0: Yeah. um, I am with you. and
1: look, I also I know that's like a very simple, I know that's a very simple thought, and I know that's like a very like black and white sort of take on it. And I, I yeah, I, I think it's actually kind of important that we present and talk about the merits to the other side of this that like, Hey, there's real value in like playing the sport and giving these guys earning power, whatever, whatever. But I think my, my entry point into this conversation is like, ultimately we need to stop doing fun things and having fun times because there are too many people in this country who are not having a fun time.
0: Yeah. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head and I've kind of been trying to like almost think in a devil's advocate kind of way about this because I know that you and I basically uh, think the same way. Um, and we were actually going to have a third person on the show today um, to kind of have this conversation and it's too bad uh, at the last minute um, the the person had to pull out uh, for, you know, like work related reasons. Um, but Part of me is like, I mean, obviously I would have loved to have talked to uh, our good friend, but also I like, uh, I feel like it, it probably would have been good to have <clears throat> a conversation where we're not just in basically complete agreement, <laughs> which you and I, yeah. uh, we are. Um, and when I think about like, yeah, like, oh, the devil's advocate, like, oh, well, sure. Like, you know, if the players play, they have all this leverage, they have all this power, they can do all these symbolic things. They can even make, you know, concrete demands of owners. They can you know um you know use the <clears throat> use every single interview post game pre game uh, halftime whatever uh as a as a platform to you know shout out the names of 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 blacks who have been killed by police officers they can um you know paint the court with the face of George Floyd they can do all these like you know incredibly huge things uh where they basically force the conversation onto anyone that wants to watch basketball um which is cool, and which would be cool, and I hope if they do play, they do that. But the more, like every time clear. I think about they're,
1: it, they're going to play. So,
0: like, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you are. know what I mean?
1: Like that—that's what I've realized. We're we're sort of past the point of like, yeah. the, They should. The or question is, play. like, they're going to yeah. play. So now the question at
0: this is, who point, is going to play, and what are they going to do? Yeah, and we should that's just the,
1: debate, like, why shouldn't like? I think at this point, we are just advocating for people to sit. And here's the argument yeah. for people to sit.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, like like you, I I do think it is like when I when I hear like here's the thing. I, obviously, I can't tell any one of these uh, men what to do. Uh, I can't. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not in their shoes. There's no way I can judge them for whatever decision they make. Um, who I can judge it are people in media who uh, say things like. Uh, oh, the players have much more power if they do play. Um, that, to me, is mind-boggling and so moronic because, like, sure, if, if you know, uh, fucking, I don't know, Wesley Matthews decides to sit uh, and, and boycott the return uh, to, to Orlando, yeah, you're right. You know, he's probably not going to have all that much power. Um, you know, if even if like three or four players on each team uh, who are not superstar all-star players decide to sit, you know what, it's not going to be that big a story. The media will ask them what's going on, explain your decision, and then we'll move on and watch the basketball games. If all of the players collectively said, no, sorry, we're not going to come to the bubble in Disney World and perform for you, because that's what, basketball is, it's entertainment. It is not social justice. It is not a, uh, you know, a a, a woke, uh, you know, vehicle for reform in this country. It is what you said it was, which is um, a distraction. It is an entertainment and it is an opiate. And it is not something that, like, sure, compared to a Marvel movie, yeah, there's a little bit more, you know, engagement with reality in the NBA. Um, there's a little bit, you know, there, there's a, like, a, 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 just a shred more of a uh, a platform to uh, engage with, like, you know, civic issues. Um, but it's not really going to change anything. It, 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 you know, if they make the, the the most symbolic gestures and the entire uh basketball game is basically an advertisement for Black Lives Matter. And even if they like plaster every single uh, you know sideline uh, billboard and and ad and and court and sideline with uh, you know links to to charities and and nonprofit organizations or whatever, like at the end of the day, people who w- want to receive that message are going to be cool with it, um, and would probably be doing that stuff anyway. And people who don't want to receive that message are going to be annoyed. Uh, and they're going to say, basketball kind of is not as much fun to watch, but I'll probably watch anyway because basketball is awesome. Um, Whatever. The point is it's not really going to like actually affect real change. And like you said, um, it's kind of time to... (laughs) Yeah, it sucks, and it's a huge fucking bummer. Um, But if you actually want things to change... I think it's kind of the point where you have to take a really, really radical step. Um, And you have to say like, no, we're not actually going to be your entertainers. We're not going to fucking sing and dance for you uh, on your television until things change. And so you're like, well, that's a very drastic thing. Um, And how do you even know, what that means, what things need to change, and how, like you know, how much do you disrupt your life? Does does, you know, regular life just have to completely halt? Uh, and then and then when do we decide that things have changed enough for it to go back to normal? Yada yada yada, but like that line of thinking is the reason why things don't change. It, that is why. Uh, y- you know, we get in a big fucking huff for a few weeks and we go out and we protest um, over and over and over again, you know, every five years uh, <laughs> seemingly in this country. Um, I mean, it used to be less frequent. Now it's becoming more and more frequent and I can't imagine that's gonna, uh, that trend is gonna change. Um, so it's like, y- you know, if you want to just keep going in that cycle, fine, that's cool. Like, if that's good enough for you, great. Um but if you actually want things to change, like, yeah, they need to ch- like really change. And that like, might mean like... We need to really no, change.
1: Like, like we, like at, like literally, our viewing habits need to change. Like, yeah. we, ha- we have to understand that we don't get to have fun things until yeah. everyone feels safe in this country. Be-
0: yeah, because like we said, that's what basketball is. It is an opiate of the masses, plain and simple. It is a vehicle for you know, basically entropy and, 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 and laziness, because, you know, you feel okay, you know, things are are coming back to normal, even if it's a basketball game where all the players are talking about, you know, racial issues and, and, and justice issues, it's still basketball, Uh, I still get to sit uh, in front of my computer and listen to it. And fucking Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz get to podcast about it, and uh, and fucking Adrian Wojnarowski gets to tweet out all the breaking news uh, and talk about how fucking uh, uh, much of a hard on he has for basketball, um, because it's awesome and it's fun and it's uh, very uh, p- pleasing and pleasurable to watch, um, as a as as an aesthetic product. It doesn't make you like, <laughs> it doesn't make you think about stuff, <laughs> it like. I mean, other than basketball. Like, when you watch basketball, you're not doing anything other than watching basketball. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a very... No, uh, no, no. It's a circular. Like, the point of yeah. it
1: is for you not to think about other stuff. The point of view is that the purpose of a distraction is to disengage you from things like social justice and critical thinking, right? Yeah. Like, it actually yeah. is to sort of pacify you And to turn you into a couch potato, basically. Um, Yeah. And, man, I've been thinking about, like, why people in this country have felt this desire for professional sports right now. And, um, you know, and to be clear, this is not just the NBA because these conversations are happening with the NFL and the MLB and hockey and the soccer leagues and whatever. So this is not just, like, a basketball-only problem. But, you know, like I was saying before, I think that, like... um, people think we need distractions because of, of coronavirus and how sad things are. And I think people want some sort of like comfort that things are getting better, that we're like getting back to regular life and, you mm-hmm. know, part of regular life, you know, involves going to, to my office and going to work and going to restaurants and going to movie theaters, even with a mask and going shopping and, and watching sports. Part of, part of like, regular normal life involves, like, the playoffs and watching sports. Yeah. And I think some people have actually convinced themselves that sports is actually, you know, like you said, this, like, platform, the ultimate platform to affect social change. And I think for the NBA, a lot of this is just, like, a naked cash grab. But I... Yes. I, I and and I know Adam Silver. Uh, Adam Silver was on ESPN the other day with Mike Greenberg, and sort of pushed back against that idea, and was like, you know, actually, it's not going to be super profitable. But but I am certain of this: no NBA owner is moving forward with this plan as a means to lose money. <laughs> they <Yeah>. can only <laughs> they can only stand to gain from yeah. this uh, this this venture here in Orlando, and maybe that's where my head is solely at right now.
0: Yeah, they did a pretty fucking bad job of, of hiding uh, their their uh, financial intentions um, by inviting teams like the Washington Wizards and the Phoenix Suns uh, back into the bubble um, and having eight regular season games for some reason um, right. instead of just starting the playoffs. Um, I mean, it's it's like so nakedly, obviously. Like, they didn't give a fuck about even trying to hide... Uh, no you know the fact that like oh yeah 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 we're just trying to make money um and like yeah i know that the players get 50 percent of that money that's great um but that doesn't make that structure any more fair as we've talked about the disparity, the you know racial disparities in, in in the employees of this league and the bosses of this league meaning the owners um is absolutely insane um and the fact that there is a salary cap um, is, you know, is basically just a, a way for the billionaire owners to control their expenses at the expense of the players. Um, and, I mean, the whole system clearly is, like, I mean, you know, I don't want to be, like, too extreme, but it's, like, it's not a, a fair system. It's no. not, I mean, it's it's better than, like yeah fucking uh uh you know like sharecroppers <laughs> but it's like uh you know an extension basically of like okay how can we extract wealth from labor yeah. um it yeah. is a it is just another cog in the capitalist system totally. um and yeah. like yeah it's it's one of the better ones because it's a really cool product and you know, on the surface, the sort of Afri- largely African-American uh, labor force seems very empowered and, and and um, and you know, sort of, uh, you know, exalted, um, certainly to relative clear, like, to other industries.
1: They're well compensated, too. Like, no NBA player would ever be like, I'm grossly underpaid. I think they would all be like, no, you know. Except I'm- for Scottie Pippen. Yeah, except for Scottie Pippen. <laughs> I think a lot of the guys would be like. You know this worked out pretty well for me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, um, of course. It's it's a it's their choice, and obviously, when you have a, a an option to play in the NBA, you know, most people sure uh, with that option take take the uh, you know absolutely take it. <laughs> but um, I think so. I'm not saying like they're they're forced against their will or anything, but I'm also not saying it's like a completely just and fair system.
1: Absolutely, and I think like when I. When, when I think about the choice of playing or not playing to return or not return, my head really is at this with like just the owners. My attention is kind of squarely focused right now on ownership. And like I heard Adam Silver the other, the other day on ESPN, he was saying basically like the NBA has this opportunity to use their platform to help like expedite social change and reform with regard to racism and, police brutality, and that's fine, you know, that's like a good sentiment. But I think really that what really, really, really bothers me about that is this. And I don't, I don't mean to just pick on the NBA or professional sports leagues here because this is like a societal-wide issue, but what really bothers me about that idea that like, hey, the players should come back. And we can use our labor, we can use our product as a platform for social for social change. What really bothers me about that is the MBA's complete abdication of any responsibility, like the denial, the lack of self-examination, is sort of staggering. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is just to point outward, you know, to make the problem about other people and other institutions. So it's easy, The easiest thing to to do and say is like. Racism is terrible, um, the NBA is not racist, it's the cops who are racist, so why don't you come back and participate in the NBA and we can hmm. actively talk about how the NBA is not racist and we'll right. point fingers at, at the racists. But exactly. it's actually in- much ah, shit. harder, dude it's actually much, much harder to self-examine, to admit your own complicity, which you and I know about, to admit yeah. your own involvement, in a system of oppression, a system of inequity, a system of bias, of exploitation, and of racism. And like my question is this, how does lining the pockets of society's wealthiest 1%, NBA owners, how does lining the pockets of those people actually help further the cause of racial justice? And furthermore, furthermore, um, this week we heard about Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley sort of championing the ideas that like maybe it's in the best interest of the players to sit out. And one of Avery Bradley's points, he, he, he released this statement to ESPN. One of Avery Bradley's points was like, why is the burden of racial justice falling on the pocketbooks of NBA players? So the, MB- the, the, the argument is being made by Adam Silver and the media, that NBA players should return, right? And make a living here in the NBA so you can go back to your communities and sort of prop up and support uh, local black businesses, right? And help elevate the message of Black Lives Matter. You know, that's the responsibility of LeBron James and Chris Paul and James Harden and Joel Embiid and Giannis and all the superstars, right? Like, you should come, play basketball, make money so you can use that money and go support black businesses. Well, I would ask the opposite, why? Why is it their responsibility to take their hard earned money and their platform to support disenfranchised people? How is is justice, how is their justice in suggesting that prominent black athletes ought to be using their own money to support disenfranchised people and disenfranchised communities who they did not disenfranchise. Granted, I think that's a very noble idea, and I know that those people will just do those things anyway, but I would argue if there are disenfranchised communities in this country, maybe the people (laughs) who've been taking advantage of those disenfranchised people all of these years who sort of led the charge in oppressing and exploiting those people, maybe those people should mm-hmm. actually be paying reparations, and I yeah. would suggest the people who have largely been exploiting and disenfranchising people are people like many of the NBA owners. And Ben, like, I, I have a, I have an, an article that I that I uh, I have an article that I was looking at on Business Insider, and oh,
0: great publication, great
1: publication. <laughs>
0: ben, do you favorites. know how much?
1: Uh, how much do you think Clippers owner Steve Ballmer is worth? Former CEO of Microsoft. Just guess. How much? How much money do you think Steve Ballmer's worth? Hmm. Forty billion dollars. Fifty-one point four billion dollars. Right.
0: Fifty-one point four. I, I low-balled Ballmer. How could yeah. I? How could I have done that? My goodness. Brooklyn... I apologize. I apologize, Steve. I'm so sorry. Brooklyn
1: Nets owner Joe Tsai. He checks in at $9. oh Joey sigh nine point seven billion. Mickey Arison, the God. Miami, Mickey Arison, Miami Heat owner, former CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines,
0: seven point eight. Very good friend of Donald Trump's. Seven point eight billion friend.
1: dollars. Um,
0: yeah. The owner James uh, Dolan. Do yeah. we have a Dolan. Uh, oh yeah. Let me,
1: let me pull up Dolan's. It's it's a it's a it's a, it's a big one. Um,
0: he's cash poor, but he is uh, he's asset rich. I just did a quick Google and I got I got a two billion. Great. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. seems kind of low, but you know, hey. Yeah, two billion
1: would have him around fifteenth overall. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, but that's kind of insane because the New York Knicks alone are worth probably triple that. Mark by Cuban
1: now. is worth four point one billion. Josh Harris, okay. owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, four point three billion. Did you know Ooh. the? Um, Tillman Fertitta, four point eight billion, Houston Rockets owner. Did you know the That's uh, a lot of restaurants? The owner of the um, of the Denver Nuggets is a woman named Anne Walton Kronky. Anne mm. Walton Cronkey is married to Stan Kronky. Stan Kronky is a billionaire real estate developer. He owns the Los Angeles Rams. The Arsenal FC and the Colorado Rapids, but Ann mm. Walton is also the daughter of Bud Walton, aka the uh, she Walmart. is the heiress to the Walmart fortune. So this is a woman who yeah is a billionaire. That's a big one, and married a fellow billionaire.
0: My favorite one, uh, and this is relevant because it's it's the Orlando Orlando's uh, uh, home franchise, uh, Richard DeVos. Now, obviously, we're mm. gonna uh, love the DeVos you know, for family. our for our. For our owner draft, we're going to get much much further into the weeds with all this, but uh, yeah, Rich DeVos, um, worth a cool five bill. Of course, he is the uh, father of uh, da- uh, Dan DeVos, um, husband of United States Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, very cool to uh, to have the DeVos family representing one um, thirtieth of the NBA. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, like, again, as we'll get into in in, in a future episode, uh, in in great detail, um, you know, the, the league is, is not what it appears to be on the surface. Um, and I think that's like really important to remember. And I got to give a quick shout out to, um, yeah, our, our, uh, favorite Henry Abbott, um, uh, one of our one of our shared faves, who um, recently tweeted, he was retweeting a Sports Center tweet um, about some of the priorities that Avery Bradley had, um, you know, in, in uh, that, that he's voiced in recent times, um, and it uh, included uh, improved hiring practices for Black front offices and head coaching candidates, donations to organizations serving Black communities, um, and, and you know, s- several other things. But anyway, Henry Abbott tweeted. Uh, quote, Adam Silver banished Donald Sterling for racism. Did he get them all? What about a truth and reconciliation commission? Um, And it's like, that's pretty, like when you actually step back and look at it, that's like a fucking duh. Like that's a no that's such a no brainer but it's like the thing that no one wants to talk no about no one wants um, to no
1: one wa- that's what i was saying like no one wants to look themselves in the mirror like no one yeah, and, and 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 the nba like the corporate people at the nba specifically like no one wants to look their own ugliness in the mirror everyone wants to just keep the gravy train moving and rowing but yeah. like and that's precise like if we are really serious about like racial justice specifically racial and economic justice like yeah then that's actually the conversation we should be having which is like there are 30 nba owners one of them is black michael jordan he's a billionaire to to be to be very clear he made the uh business insider billionaire list um Mm -hmm. And and and,
0: being but he, although he unique amongst NBA owners, actually does give jobs to African Americans. Awesome.
1: And to be clear, I don't, I, I don't think all rich people are terrible. But I will say, being insanely rich is a sort of um, ethical. It's a, it's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, and it presents a lot of ethical uh, hoops that you're going to have to jump through. Like if if you want to remain a sort of ethically upstanding individual and be a billionaire, like you're going to have some work to do because like yeah. there are going to be a lot of questions about like how you made all that money. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that there's any sort of perfect solution here, but I, I will say that like, if the league is really serious and earnest in their commitment to racial justice, then yeah. they can start by looking themselves in the mirror and like, the players have an opportunity to hold these people up to task. And the thing is this, like the only way, the only real way, the only way that there's going to be meaningful change that that's ever going to come about is hitting these people in their, in in the wallets. And I I, I understand this is like a drop in the bucket for them. Like these people are like such have like such generational wealth, like billionaires, you know, um, that, you know, sitting out one season is ultimately like a very little consequence for them. But I do think like, if, if athletes want to use their, uh, their, their game and their unique abilities, uh, to affect social change, the best way to do that is actually preventing us from consuming it.
0: Yeah. You made a really good point. Uh, a while ago, we've kind of been Going on off on like different tangents here, but uh, something I really want to uh, kind of get back to before I forget about it is um, basically the point uh, about how you know bringing these players back uh, and saying, <clears throat> okay, you know what, uh, this is going to be your platform. You know, a uh, lot of lots of NBA media people have have made the point that like the players have never had more leverage than they do at this moment and that the NBA, the league will basically say yes to anything. You know, they're um, uh, the players have all the power. You know, they can choose to, to make all these symbolic gestures Um and they will. Like there's no question like when we com- when they come back and when they start playing games, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening Um uh, whether it's, you know, moments of silence for eight minutes and 46 seconds or, uh, you know, to say uh, I can't uh, breathe, blah, 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 right. T- like, you yeah, pre-
1: symbolic things that pre- will
0: happen. Pre- pre-game outfits, all the stuff talking about it. Um, uh, and again, some of which will be, um, you know, sort of, uh, all of it will will obviously be be real and will, will be sincere. And some of it will Actually, perhaps have like a real effect if they, you yeah. know, demand that that that, that teams, uh, you know, make donations to different organizations or whatever. Um, but but the thing that that does at the end of the day is something that you mentioned um, earlier, which is that it, it shields the NBA. It makes the NBA look like. We're the we're the the good guys, and we are pointing the finger, and we are spreading a message that is completely outward looking, that is completely targeting, uh, you know, quote unquote systemic racism in in police departments. Um, that is targeting, you know, basically all all sorts of of societal ills and issues, um, but not the NBA itself. So in fact, by giving These players, uh, you know, a greater platform and and basically letting them speak out how in whatever way they see fit. um, Like it's almost like a um, like a like a like a like a corporate whitewashing. Um, You're like buying whitewashing is obviously the wrong word, but but um, yeah yeah you're 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 basically like um, it's like a like a little two step where you're where you're kind of like uh, hiding behind this facade of like you know extreme you know corporate wokeness and like oh look at us compared to you know these other sports leagues um you know the way we let our players speak out and, and our coaches speak out and you know greg popovich and steve kerr are the uh, you know are, are these like incredibly progressive like uh you know fucking liberal uh voices yada yada but at the end of the day it basically just makes everyone think oh yeah. cool like i feel better now about the nba i can consume this product with a clean conscience um, and and I feel I feel better as a person, um, you know. And, and it almost feels like I'm actually doing a, a some sort of a civic duty. I'm actually doing activism by watching basketball, by consuming this product, and, and feeling good about it. Um,
1: yeah, it's like and when I think it totally. When corporations do diversity workshops. And it's right, like, right, or when they
0: don't or when they like yeah, yeah advertise we're not, a huge we're donation, not racist. we're not
1: racist, yeah, like, how could a racist how could a racist company have a diversity workshop? so like I mean you, you know what it makes me all think, my think sins. of it's like yeah,
0: exactly. You know what it makes me think of a little bit, Chris, is, uh, is Miller Genuine Draft and how they would donate a certain amount of money <laughs> to, uh-huh. I believe it was the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Fund for every one of their Miller Genuine Moments. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's why I personally drink nothing but Miller Genuine Draft, because I want to help black people. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same thing. And it's, you know, I guess it's better than like not doing any of that shit and being like the NFL. Yeah. Um, uh, or 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 actually it's not like they're i mean you know now the NFL is is basically trying to to do everything that the NBA has been doing for years but it's just like way more transparent and and desperate um but like at the end of the day like the two leagues are just not that dramatically different um and uh, you know i mean the fucking NBA had a a a rule against kneeling for the national anthem but no one talked about it because none of the players really challenged it um obviously i don't think that they're going to um you know enforce that rule uh in orlando if if players do decide to kneel um because that would look really bad <laughs> um but they had the rule uh, up until now um so like again like you just have to like actually look at the product you're consuming and and being like all right am i being kind of tricked into thinking this is good or is this actually good um and yeah at the end of the day like nothing is is actually good <laughs> if it's if it's you know leading to complacency and and this like f- sort of warm comfortable feeling of of returning to normalcy because it's just not actually helping things yeah
1: and that that's the very problem man that's that that that's exactly it is that like you said in our last podcast like another per- like another black person's just going to be shot by the cops and like literally within a week it happened and and to your very point like that that is not normal so we can't treat the rest of real life like we can't go back to normal we can't treat any of this shit like it's normal and the resumption of the nba would be a sign of normalcy and we have to treat this moment like it is which is exceptionally fucked up and um so to me my position is as much as i Love basketball as much as I desperately love distractions. I love That's the thing. I love going to movies. I love going yeah. to plays. I love going to concerts and restaurants. I love distracting myself from the misery of of, of human tragedy. But the, the reality is that this moment right now calls for us to all engage in the issues, engage in the um, in the dystopia and to yeah. not run away from it, to not shy away from it, and rather to embrace it and to actually try to make a change. So yeah. as much as it pains me because I love basketball and I love distractions, I think I would advocate right now for players not playing and remind everyone, remind all of us um, sports fans and podcasters and people who love distraction and entertainment that this is not the time for those things. What we need right now is actual change and, and real life can't resume until innocent black people stop being murdered in the streets by people who are supposed to be protecting us.
0: Right. And like when you think about like, oh, okay, what would what would actually create more of a change? Like LeBron James playing in a basketball game and then talking to you on your television all about how black lives matter, again, making you feel good and making you feel, oh, yeah, LeBron is like, you know, he's on the right side of this. And I'm a LeBron fan because of that. And now I feel better and I'm cool and I'm good. And that's all I need to do today. Or LeBron being like, hey, dummy, like, wake the fuck up. I'm not playing basketball anymore until, you know, fucking, like, cops don't get guns anymore. Or, like, I'm not playing basketball anymore until, you know, fucking the police department of Los Angeles uh, has their budget Cut by fifty percent.
1: Yeah, I'm not playing basketball anymore until like the murderers of Brianna Taylor are arrested and charged. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like there are real practical things that can be done. There are real measures, and I'm sorry, like, you know, Avery Bradley advocating for better hiring practices for black front yeah. offices. You know, I, I appreciate that, but ultimately sure. like that's not it's better
0: again, it's better than nothing. Better than nothing. But it's like but frankly, it's like, like
1: just it's 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 a small gesture and we yeah. actually need like bold strokes. And and yeah. frankly, like the bold strokes we need are outside of the NBA. Like they're they're yeah. bigger than the NBA. And they're right. so big that we actually need the NBA to step aside because The issues that we are having socially are so goddamn big that by the NBA and the MLB and the NFL just trying to go about business as usual, it's actually a distraction and is actually pacifying us from engaging in the actual real issues.
0: Yeah. um, You just reminded me of something that I... Texted to you uh, a while back by Ruth Wilson Gilmore, the woman that we mentioned last on oh, the yeah. uh, podcast, who's yeah. one of the co-founders of, uh, of Critical Resistance, which is an organization that I urge all of our listeners to research, check out if you've never heard of it. Um but she said on uh, Intercepted, the, the Intercepts podcast, a line. So um, she, she said the line on, on this podcast <clears throat> from June 10th, quote, um, uh, basically talking about, uh, I don't have the exact quote, actually, sorry. <laughs> but she was talking about how the, quote unquote, freedom to participate, is what a lot of people in our sort of system, in our society, think is the solution. Like, oh, we need more black right. CEOs. We need more black uh, owners of NBA teams. That's that's the solution. That's the end point that we need to get to. Um, but she very, very astutely made the point that for some people, that's not enough. Um, so that, you know, getting getting the freedom to participate, even, even to reach the very heights of an inherently fucked up, un in you know uh, immoral, unequal, exploitative, racist system, does not actually make the system any less <laughs> racist, fucked up, exploitative. Um, so, like, sh- should there be more than one black owner in the NBA out of thirty teams? Yeah, obviously that's ludicrous that there isn't. But <laughs> if there were twenty black owners, um, that wouldn't actually solve anything. <laughs> it would be better it would certainly look better and it would, you know, it would probably trickle down to y- you know more opportunity um for uh for African Americans to be, you know, named head coaches and general managers and presidents of basketball operations um which again is 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 great um but it also doesn't actually Change anything structurally um, in, in our system. So, like, that's, that can't be like if that's all you're advocating for, like, I'm sorry, you just have like a poverty of ambition and you have like a very, very uh, narrow and, um, and, and limited kind of like view of like what needs to change.
1: Yeah. Well said. Also, I, I think like the, the, the freedom to participate is basically uh, code it's it, it it's language that sort of is like yeah y- you're all free to try <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. you're it, it it's code for like you're all free to try to make it in a world that's inherently disadvantaged for you
0: <laughs> you know yeah you're free to try your chances are very very minuscule and if you succeed guess what your reward is you get to exploit more people like, below you yeah um, like yeah 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 so um, yeah, it, it, it like at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't it really change nothing. anything. So yes, yeah, fully agree.
1: Um, all right, man. Is there anything else? Um, but anything I think else? we
0: have to have a a quick round uh, about Adrian Wojnarowski. Oh yeah, our, excuse our me, of course, absolute favorite <laughs> yeah. NBA reporter. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I let's, mean, let's
1: talk about the role of Woj and ESPN and kind of like what their role has been in feeding people the narrative that we need professional sports in our lives right now
0: yeah Uh, let me preface all this by saying there's a lot of things to be angry about in the year 2020 there's a lot of people to be angry at um Adrian Wojnarowski is not anywhere near the top of that list but You know what, we're a basketball podcast, um, and unfortunately for us basketball fans, he is a very, very prominent and powerful figure in the world of NBA basketball. And and I would argue there is no more malignant and evil a force (laughs) in the world of, of basketball media than this man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just think also let's like
1: just... as as we make the case that the NBA is a distraction from vibrant like our, are like vibrant social fabric from potentially trying to repair our social fabric. Adrian yeah. Wojnarowski is basically like waving the flag of distraction and is like he's no, the general. No, let's go to the circus, he... everybody! Like let's let's just keep the circus going. And it's like, dude, like shut up, like, we don't need to go to the circus today. Like, today we actually just need to focus on, like, the murder of innocent people in the streets by cops.
0: Yeah. Let's start out with his tweet from June 3rd, 2020. June 3rd. So this was following, I believe, the 7th or 8th consecutive day of extremely violent and intense protests in the streets of America. And Adrian Wojnarowski tweets, quote, So the NBA is inviting 22 teams to Orlando, 13 Western Conference, 9 Eastern Conference, 8 regular season games per team, play in for the 8th seeds, July 31 to October 12, vote tomorrow to ratify, the NBA's back. (laughs) It was honestly one of the... Like the context, the timing, the phrasing, the way he wrote the NBA's back with a period. Mic drop. It was one of the it was one of the saddest, most pathetic tweets in the history of Twitter, um, which is saying quite a quite a bit. Um, and then, so flash forward to June sixteenth, uh, yesterday, as of the time of this recording, uh, that that same uh, Henry Abbott tweet that I'm that I uh, that we read earlier, Adam Silver. Banished Donald, Donald, Donald Sterling for racism. Did he get them all? What about a Truth and Reconciliation Commission? That was tweeted out at nine twenty nine p.m. on June sixteenth. Seven minutes after that tweet, to just you know make the make the contrast just perfectly stark. Seven minutes after that Henry Abbott tweet, Adrian Wojnarowski tweets out: "My favorite detail in the 113-page health and safety protocol for Orlando shared with teams in past several minutes: No doubles in ping pong. Until directed otherwise by the NBA, players should play singles only so that they can maintain six feet of distance from each other." Um, So that is the the raging hard on that Woj uh, has for basketball, reading this 113-page health and safety report, you know, like the, the things that he's focused on. Um, and then we have to just go off on this fucking uh, Kyrie Irving article that, that this man wrote. So on yeah. June 12th, um, you know, he, he writes, he, he drops this big article for ESPN. Um, uh, the uh, the title is, uh, the, the, the headline of the piece is Sources, Kyrie uh, Irving Plays Key Role in Friday Call with Players. But the way that uh, Woj uh, frames it in his tweet announcing his tweet. the article, his tweet. Yeah. Uh, in his in his actual tweet, he says ESPN story on Kyrie Irving, the disruptor. Um, and my question is, w- what is he disrupting exactly, Woj? What what? Why is he a disrupt? Is he a disruptor to your incredibly comfortable, privileged life? Um, uh he's as a powerful nba train. media figure yeah he's Amen. he's disrupting um this cool fun thing basketball that i love so much i just want to watch basketball let's just make it very clear i love basketball i want to watch basketball anything that prevents me from watching basketball be it a global pandemic killing uh, hundreds of thousands of people including the family members of actual nba fucking players or um uh, you know systemic racism and incredibly uh unequal capitalist structure um police uh, killing innocent I don't,
1: black people in the streets
0: yeah yeah i uh no i don't want to i don't want to know about that but i just want to watch basketball anything impeding um, that anything impeding
1: the watching of a orange ball going into a hoop
0: is yeah, a that distraction every, every
1: is an impediment every time to i adrian s- Wojnarowski.
0: Every time I see the the big orange ball go into the hoop, I get happy. It makes me happy. It, yeah, it, uh, there's I a forget. little chemical reaction in my brain, and I feel like a little boy um, uh, who uh, who's who's like whatever, like fucking eating a, 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 yeah, a chocolate donut. No, when um, that ball
1: goes in the hoop, I feel closer to my fellow man. I feel like the bridge. You know, like like the, the the gap between like the different ethnicities and races in our in our society just being bridged. Like suddenly <laughs> there's less crime. Yeah. You know, the 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 cops suddenly seem more peaceful when they see that ball go in the hoop. Like we all just want to sort oh. of redistribute the wealth in our society, and we we start giving uh, poor people you know health benefits and and getting uh, homeless people uh, shelter. Um, you know, it's just that we just got to see that round ball go in the hoop, man. And like that really solves everything. Yeah.
0: Makes all the problems just wash away. Um, but no, Kyrie Irving, um, because he is uh, he, he fucking uh, deigns to speak out in any way, raise any sort of uh, concern or, or hesitation or reluctance about any of this. As uh, a disruptor, uh, and in his article, Adrian Wojnarowski goes on to uh, frame the entire situation as a case of Kyrie Irving just being like flighty and 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 uh, and uh, self-absorbed and and also contradictory and like almost a like, confused. Because the way he frames this, um, he starts his article out instead of like laying any kind of context about you know the state of the country. Uh, or, you know, the sort of uh, various arguments, um, you know, pro or con, uh, the NBA resuming play. No, he starts it out by talking about how uh, Kyrie Irving on a call with the NBA, you know, I guess a couple weeks ago or whatever, when they were discussing the return to play, um, you know, had questions about, um, and, and of course, Kyrie Irving's injured, he won't be playing in Orlando Um, but he would be, you know, traveling with the team potentially. Uh, So he had questions about, um, sources say, Irving asked, as an injured player, if he would count among the Nets' allotted 35 people, uh, could he sit in the stands to cheer on his teammates, use a sauna for his rehab? Um, And then uh, Wood Chorasky goes on to write, he had a question about NBA sponsors on campus and whether they would be supplying players with products. A union official asked him for an example, and Irving mentioned a popular adult beverage before insisting that he had indeed simply shared an example and wondered what food might be provided to players under league partnerships. Why the fuck do you lead your article with that detail? That's my question. Why Why set it up and frame it like that? Um, I wonder if it's to hmm, perhaps invalidate anything uh, that Irving goes on to say, goes on to voice... Um, to, to kind of, like, muddle and confuse and, uh, you know, make people think, oh, it's just Kyrie Irving being Kyrie Irving. Oh, you know, Flat Earther. Oh, he's a fucking diva. He, all he cares about are saunas and popular adult beverages. You're like, either... That, or, like, yeah, oh, you're my like, God. You, you either support
1: the capitalist machine, Ben. You either support getting America back to work. You either support... <sighs> the uh you either support like labor and getting back to work or you just like getting drunk ben so you know yeah. it's just it's just yeah. one or the other you're either a lazy no good trouble making uh drunk or yeah. you uh you you you're just an honest worker that loves going to work and doing your job
0: yeah Um, yeah, honestly, uh, one of the most despicable, disgusting and infuriating pieces of journalism I've ever read in my life. Um, and again, I work in news media, so I've consumed a pretty fair amount of this stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, listen, it's not like fucking whatever Fox news, but it is on the exact same level in terms of just, um, absolute, the the tactics are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like fucking disingenuousness um and but like even worse because it's so much so much more like kind of subtle um and and um and uh, 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 what's the word um fucking uh, um, like uh, not subversive, but I don't know there's a word uh insidious insidious is the word I was looking for where it's like not obvious like exactly what he's doing unless you really like read it carefully and like think about it. Um, but what he's doing is, is presenting a story about an NBA player really, like, sticking his neck out uh, as one of the lone, um, you know, sort of, like, major star players to say, like, hey, guys, maybe we should just slow down and, like, think about this for a second. Um, that's all that Kyrie Irving was doing. And Wojnarowski frames it in such a way to just completely invalidate it, um, and make it seem ridiculous, um, and, 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 like, just, you know, immature and, and, and fucking selfish, um, and it's just so infuriating, um, and he sucks, he can fucking eat shit and rot in hell, uh, honestly, I... Just like I mean, there's we we've talked about uh Woj for a long time on this podcast and how much he sucks. And usually it's just kinda like a harmless, like, what a fucking water carrier, what a fucking bootlicker this guy is. But like this was a an instance where he like went above and beyond to just like to just do something really flat out fucking wrong and evil. So yeah, good and, job. And, and asshole.
1: We're we're missing a very key detail here, which is that This is not just any player. This is not any, any star, any, just any random star player. This is the vice president of the Players Association. This is a union rep. This is a, a vital, major union rep who is advocating for the interests of his members. Literally, his job description as the vice president of the Players Association is like, hey, I'm speaking in the best interests of all my constituents are like, tell us more about our work conditions. What will we be allowed to do? What will we not be allowed to do? Hey, there are these pressing social issues that many of, of our union unionized members are concerned about. Can you speak to that? And it's like, why, I don't understand why Woj felt the need to squash those interests and try to, let's be real, like humiliate The vice president of the Players Association, unless he was like just completely shilling for uh, for management, and I think that is where I'm kind of at now with ESPN and Adrian Wojnarowski, which is like they aren't journalists because. Oh no! So so I, I I was like I framed this question to you like a few minutes ago when I was like. What role does like the media and ESPN have in this conversation about whether the NBA should return or not? But the thing is, like Woj and ESPN, but really Woj is not the media because they are effectively just PR at this point for the. NBA. Oh no, no, he's
0: a f- yeah, he's a full-on mouthpiece for a corporation, he, which is he's the a NBA. PR,
1: he's a PR rep for the NBA. They yeah. call him an ESPN reporter, but like he's he's not doing actually any sort of critical journalistic work. He's literally well, no, just the, propping up all the interests of NBA management.
0: Yeah, in order to get the access, the the you know uniquely high you know the, the highest level of access that he enjoys in the NBA. Um, the trade-off for that it's very simple. It's a a tenant of journalism. In order to get that kind of access, you have to give up uh, any sort of journalistic independence. You have to be a water carrier um, for the, you know, the, 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 um, the, basically the, the forces of power and like the, and, and the um, subjects that you're covering. Um, right. That's it. Plain and simple. So that's what he does. It's fine. You know, whatever. People have to, you know, make a dance. living. It's and the less he...
1: of of journalism. It's like, this is not actual critical. You know, there's there's no critical pushback. There's no critical no. journalism. He's happening. a
0: propagandist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's a propagandist. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he and to be clear, he works on behalf of ownership and team management. Right. Uh, he does not work on behalf of players. Um.
1: So when it's so... in the best interest of the NBA and management and owners to humiliate and embarrass the players, he will do that. And when it's in the best interest to prop up their stories and glorify the NBA, he will also do that.
0: Yeah. All right, yeah. man. I got to let you go. I, thank you for allowing me to vent. Um, Dude, thank and, you for uh, allowing me to
1: vent. This was good. Yeah.
0: And uh, I, I remember, yeah. <laughs> I feel like at the beginning of this episode, I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure where I stand, but that was, uh, that's why we, that's why we podcast, yeah. uh, to, uh, you know, work out our feelings. So at some point we're going to
1: get back to the 94 NBA finals, hopefully the next episode. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. haven't forgotten about that one.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually really curious to like continue the momentum of like where the podcast is going and still talk about the NBA finals, but through the lens of like, what's actually happening in the world. And like, how what was happening in the NBA finals was a reflection of what was happening in society or how it wasn't a reflection and how some of maybe what was happening in society we allowed to let happen um, because our attention was elsewhere. So
0: Also, impo- yeah. we didn't even point out the fact that uh, we are recording this on June 17th, Chris. Yep. June 17th, uh, a very important date. If anyone doesn't know, um, we will be discussing June 17th again in the near future. So happy June 17th to you. Happy June 17th. Um, It is the 26th anniversary (laughs) of... uh, of the the uh, the, the June seventeenth to end them all, yeah. Um, So yeah, that will be uh, we'll, we'll be kind of building up to that. Uh, obviously, we didn't quite plan things out uh, to to time our June seventeenth uh, episode perfectly on June seventeenth, but uh, but yeah, we'll be we'll be kind of like building up the next few episodes to uh, discuss that fateful day.
1: All right, man, it was great talking to you, and uh, I'll uh, I'll
0: talk to you next week. All right, dog, a pleasure as always, my friend.
1: All right. Thanks for listening to Swish FM. Please reach out, say hi, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Swish FM radio. You can follow us there. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, whatever it is, uh, email us swishfmradio at gmail.com. Check out previous episodes on our website, swishfm.com. Rate, review. Subscribe to the show in Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Radio. That's a new one. Wherever you get podcasts, we really appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay inside. Stay sane. Stay engaged. Fight the good fight, and we will talk to you guys next week. You've been listening to Switch.